Welcome to another episode of Consider This. Today I have Justin Ebert and Drew Moss in the studio, and we are going to be talking about uh, preparing and training, equipping for ministry, uh, not only in the local church, but also on the mission field. And so it uh, is an important topic, uh, not just to help us appreciate those um, that are leading in ministry, But as for many of us are thinking through, what does it actually look like? And is this something that God has put on my heart? How important is it for us to prepare um, in a formal and in an informal way? And specifically, what is Sunnybrook doing to help people prepare for ministry? I hope this conversation will be a blessing and a challenge to you. So tell me a little bit about uh, your journey in terms of going into ministry and how much you really thought, man, I need to prepare for this. Like, I don't know how to do this. I think that it is uh, even understandable that people look at pastors and uh, probably consider one of the most important aspects that we're just people people, right? We just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a people person. Um, and obviously there's a lot more to that. So tell me a little bit about your journey in terms of realizing, man, if I want to do ministry, uh, it's going to involve some, some, some training. And so talk a little bit about that journey for you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in real quick. Cause actually I don't even know that I've thought too much about this before you asked it because I grew up in a family where like everybody, I knew about Ozark Christian College before I knew there was like universities. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like, so you, you tell me about OSU. I'm like, oh, so that's like a, it's like a Bible college for people who aren't going into ministry. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's literally like, that's what both my parents went to. That's yeah. what yeah. my uncles went to. That's what my grandpa was. And he was a trustee. It's like all these things. So as I think about it, like that just seemed like, the training for ministry just seemed like a very natural progression mm. of what you do. Like I said, Ozark's probably the first college I actually knew about or university, whatever you want to say, that I actually knew about. So for me, that was a very, it was always even on the, like in my mind, even as a kid, when I'm choosing between uh, scientist or NFL player or <laughs> preacher. Those are like my three options. Okay, I wait, 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 wait. Was scientist really one of them? <laughs> it was one of them. Yeah. Was it really? Well, I was like, you know, like third or fourth grade science was my favorite uh, subject before they started mixing it up with math. <laughs> um, and then I got in math. I'm like, eh, I'm out of here. So you're uh, just but, a guy that really liked but, insects. Which like, no, and, that's and the, the, thing. And like, the planets. About science was like cartoons. It was just like, you're holding beakers and mixing <laughs> things and stuff is blowing up. You, you know, got like, to drive on a school bus there. <laughs> shrink and yeah, yeah. it was awesome you drive around and shrinking school buses who's not for that uh and so like literally i, I always think that's funny like scientist football player preacher it's like my mind ruled out one of them my body ruled out another <laughs> one and so ministry it is i guess oh dude uh, so but that's yeah great. so that just always even as a kid it was like on the table i might maybe i'll just go to ozark like my dad and my mom and uncles did and all that stuff so okay and one, and one thing that's just unique um i know you both went to uh to bible college but it's a little bit unique that actually you study for, and train for ministry at the bachelor level. Um, uh-huh, a yeah. lot of a lot of denominations, a lot of the more formal studying process, you do go to Oklahoma State and you get a degree in whatever it might be, a BA in English or a BA in economics or a, or even be an engineer in terms of your your training. And then you go to seminary yeah. and you get your master's work in theology. But um, the Bible college is a little bit of a 
kind of a, a new creation in the last 50, 60 years, particularly in our brotherhood, that said, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't need to go to Oklahoma State or OU. We can actually do the training for ministry at the undergraduate level. Yeah. So that's a little bit unique in our, in our brotherhood. T- tell a little bit about your story, because you didn't, you didn't grow up in a preacher's home. No, no. But I, you know, as I've thought about this, it's always like you get trained to do the job you're going to do is my, my always been my mindset. So if I wanted to be, a, so mine was baseball. If I wanted to play baseball, I had to practice, train a lot and do all the things that that required. If I yeah. wanted to be a doctor, that was going to mean lots and lots of school and training. And then when I felt like the Lord was leading me into ministry, then I'm going to go get training. I'm going to go sit with Jim in his office for a semester and I'm going to go to Ozark and learn how to preach and so it was kind of like that's just what you do. I, it's weird to me coming to the conversation on the on this side where people are like, "Yeah, no, you don't really need to get trained to go do ministry." Mm-hmm. Like that's the new concept for me. You always get trained to do something you want to be good at. In my mind, and so yeah, I went to did an internship with Jim, and then went to Ozark, and then did a master's after that because you know I, I want to be an expert in the thing I'm doing, and that's at some level studying obeying, teaching the Word of God. Ezra 7, I think about that text a lot. So then when we think about this, um, the idea of being trained for ministry, and I want to I wanna, I wanna think about it in all contexts, but ultimately we're going to talk about particularly those that are maybe moving into a cross-cultural setting and realizing the value and the importance of that. Um, but before we do, why is it? Let's try to just kind of understand why uh, I, I would even say a lot of people uh, underestimate the importance of training when it comes to uh, ministry and the Bible? Why is it that there is at least some kind of hesitation um, or maybe an underappreciation? Because I don't think, I, I think that it would say, yeah, you really do need to know your Bible more. Um, but why, why, why do you believe that there exists in people's minds that, uh, that ministry doesn't necessarily require intensive training to prepare? I think you could, I mean, I, I think a case could be made, uh, whether whether it's a great case to be made, but I think a case could definitely be made. You can read your Bible and go, uh, <laughs> Jesus sent out these unlearned fishermen. Yeah. Uh, and Acts, you know, Paul's walking around and, and going and planting churches, and and you've got people who've not even been Christians for for two years, sometimes just months, and he's he's coming, swinging back through, and making them elders who are who are essentially doing much of what ministers yes. are doing today, yes. teaching and leading the church and those kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, I think as, you know when it comes to when it comes, especially in ministry, we believe that the work we're doing is not man powered, uh, but spirit powered, spirit empowered, and should be. And therefore, if the spirit is the one empowering it, yeah. then can he not? Can he not use? He can use Balaam's donkey. He yep. can use yep. me. He can, yep. use, you know, what I mean, and that kind of thing. And 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 there, by the way, is a truth to yes, that. Yes, yes. There is a we should that that should be, I think, a thought in our mind that like the the decisive factor is not my training, but the spirit at work in me. Um, and so that should totally be there. But I think that I think that really is. One reason why a person could could read the scriptures and go, yeah, did, like, what do I need training for? If Jesus just sent his disciples, start heading out in the villages, and they they haven't even seen his resurrection yet. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So, and I had people that weren't anti-intellectual actually 
uh, question my need to go to Bible college. Um, some people are like, well, why can't you just, you know, again, do it the way that, that it reason, seems like, it, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like we, we don't think you need all that book learning as much as just like, why, why not just do what they did? Why not you do what they did? Yeah. 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 And it, it seemed to be, again, a very uh, superficial reading of the text without kind of delving into all that was, yeah. in, you know, entailed with that. It's like, you know, I, I've heard people say this, Jesus never went to Bible college. Right, Moses yeah. never went to Bible college. Um, it's almost like there's a, there's almost an unlearning that yeah. is required in order to really do ministry. A, yeah. a, de- a dis- disconnecting, Justin. So what the disciples did have was two to three years of walking beside God, telling them the truth. Sure, you know, illuminating them and showing them how to love people, how to love God in a practical sense of. If you've ever spent like a specific extended amount of time with someone, you, especially somebody you're looking up to as like, hey, teach me, train me. Mm-hmm. Like you you are just, you're on the edge of your seat a little bit, like learning from them, listening to them, wanting to emulate them. So I don't, I think people discredit that aspect of the training that the disciples had was firsthand from Jesus for sure. a long time. Yeah, years. <laughs> for years. Um, Paul himself. His training in the what we now know as the Old Testament was extensive, you know, and then he had it you know, uh, reinterpreted for yeah. him by Jesus. I think the things that he was doing for a few years in Arabia at some level was re-understanding the scriptures in light of Jesus. Yeah, Moses, think about how he grew up. He grew up in Pharaoh's household the capital of the world in some ways, would have had the best education available at that time. And then God himself had to take him up on a mountain to Mm. teach him the laws and the decrees. Mm. He had to have his father-in-law come along and say, no, this is probably a better way to judge the people. And so, you know, at some level, even though, yes, they didn't have go to Bible college, quote unquote, each of these people had some intense specific training yeah. that was appropriate for their time. So the other thing I think about is when we we believe that when you come out of the waters of baptism, you've started your ministry. Sure. We do Everybody believe, in some sense. We believe that you you do have a testimony, a witness, and you, you should be able to give a reason for the hope that you have. And your your life and your words are oriented toward Jesus. And then you continue to be sanctified. You continue to be trained by the church. Ephesians 4 says God has given the leaders of the church these gifts so that they can train the saints, all the Christians, for the work of ministry. And so, yeah, I've never understood the dichotomy between, sure. no, you don't need it. Because, yeah, some of it is the Spirit, right? You, you, we do trust the Spirit, and anyone can open the Scriptures. That's a good Protestant belief of ours, but... I think all of those things are things we do want to grow on. I'd rather be better at understanding the scriptures than, than not. Than not. Yeah, that's the great Erasmus line when I'm asked what scholarly knowledge does to facilitate the understanding of scripture. Um, he he says, I always respond with, well, just explain to me how ignorance would help. <laughs> and that's just a good reminder, right? Um, I think the other thing that um, I often hear from individuals who, again, are not trying to they're not trying to find an easy road out. They're really asking, I think, legitimate questions. Isn't this a work of the Spirit? Um, I don't know if I see that model in the New Testament in a very cursory way of reading it. The other thing is is that so much of ministry um, by design is actually about character formation. And so, so much of it is really who you are. And I would say that's a good reason to get educated 
um, because uh, you look in, in the classics, character formation actually is a process of it. It's an educational process. It's not just something that you, um, you know, practice by not learning and by not kind of going through the rigorous of thinking. Um, but I think so much of what we do is about love and about caring for people. And do you really need a degree to know how to love and care people? And the answer is yes, you really do. Because if not, you can love people. I think about a book that came out um, a number of years ago that said, When Helping Hurts. And it basically had us kind of relook at some things and said, wow, a lot of your um, intuitive, not thought out methods of genuinely helping people has actually turned around and has actually hurt them. So that I've thought about that that book title, even though I've got some some I like that book and I have some questions about it, but it really did remind me that there is so much more that is necessary and that is needed. It's not like our jobs are just like being a baseball player or just like being a surgeon. But that being said, there really is something that's needed for yeah. proper character formation. Well yeah, I would, you know, I'd love to even kind of hear you guys think through or, or yeah, talk about uh, when we say training, do we necessarily yeah. mean degrees? Yeah. Uh, you know, because I know, dude, I work in the world of campus ministry, and there are a lot of, lot of solid campus ministers I know who, who came from their university setting uh, through their ministry, yep. uh, were trained up in that ministry. And, and they were like those, you know, those, those ministries, most of those ministries don't just kind of like, Hey, you're a good Christian. How about you be a minister? Like yep. there's some, there's some fairly detailed, you got to go through an internship process. You got to th- go through, they talk, I, there's some of them have like different levels of staff, kind of like entry staff that for a year or two, you're kind of almost like a residency type thing. And you've got to go through training materials and all this stuff. And so even though they are not going and getting a seminary degree on top of their yep. college degree. Um, they are doing a lot of training. Uh, there's some who, who are going overseas uh, to mustard seed who might not have a seminary education, but but how they are training them in those things. So I don't know, thoughts on, what, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Justin, you go. Okay. okay. Um, I agree that it doesn't have to be a formal, I mean, degree from a bachelor's or a master's, those are fairly new phenomenons. So the church has been training up ministers of the gospel for a long time before a bachelor's degree was invented, a master's degree was invented. So um, we we don't believe that training started once the university started, though— The original universities were dishing, were meant to be ministry ministry and missionary training grounds because people recognized, cred, people are teaching things that aren't accurate and they're starting whole movements that are actually based off of things that aren't true about God in the scriptures. So we need to help with some of that. So that was the intent of it. So I was like the early Christians, actually, in that my only understanding of a university was a Christian training. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's dude. All, that's all they nope. do, too. Your parents like, did a great when, job yeah, training when somebody you. decided doing, like, a thing on literature, they were like, you mean, like, what we're doing for ministers? We do <laughs> yeah. those for other people? Yeah. That, like, that's what that's what the early— You were ahead of your time. Yeah, I was or, ahead of my time. Yeah. Yeah. You were born in the wrong generation. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think about that. I also—I I think there are really good training places and experiences that you can get that you don't have to have those degrees. Yeah. Now— you know, part of the reason we even started a residency program for people who are interested in ministry is because we see so many of those universities going off mission and and losing their 
devotion to the authority of Scripture. And so what happens if all the seminaries close their doors because of finances or mission drift? What happens if something terrible happens to places like Ozark and yeah. we don't have you know, formal training grounds? Well, the church has to step up. The places where the church yeah. continues to thrive are places where there's devotion to focused attention on the scriptures and training. Mon- monks yeah. were the original, were the original, <laughs> were the initial seminarians. Well, and it's interesting. I remember. Um, so again, we'll mention some names. Justin, Drew, and I all all graduated from the same college in different time periods, right? Um, but Seth Wilson used to say, who was the founder of Ozark, uh, founded back in the 1940s, early 40s. He basically said that the Bible college was needed because the church, and he wasn't trying to be overly critical, but the church is not doing its job training. Mm. And so he looked at the churches and basically said, who is training up these young men to become pastors? And and at that time, in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, many of the of the seminaries had gone liberal, uh, particularly about their understanding of the nature of Scripture, and uh, Seth Wilson and a number of other people said, "No, we need to be, we need to create context to train up pastors," and so that's really where that where that came from. Um, and, and and recognizing it is the responsibility of the church. Now, how does the church do that? And during that time period, the church chose to create institutions that could accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of one of the persons that really questioned whether or not I needed to leave Canada and move to Missouri in order to be a minister was my father. Um, and I just, I remember saying to my dad, because I, I, I tried to think through this a lot, actually. And I just said, dad, I don't know of a better place to learn. I wasn't necessarily in a hurry, but I don't know of a better place to learn than a place that's going to focus just on this. So I think, Drew, we can do it in another way. I think it takes longer. Yeah. I, I just think it uh, it becomes more demanding as we uh, try to some level. I mean, honestly, one of the questions I would ask is uh, some engagement with the original languages are going to be important. So where are you going to get that from? So it's more of a specialized thing, or particularly to not just read the scriptures in a superficial way, but in a very intentional way. Yeah. Um, we were all blessed to be taught how to do that um, in more of an educational context, to be trained to do that. So there, be, there, there can become a tremendous amount of value. But I, I'm with you. I don't, I, I'll tell people all the time, I don't know how much I care about the degree. Um, it seems like ah, I've taken all these classes, might as well get the degree. <laughs> so I'm, I really yeah. am, or even submitting to the, uh, the belief that there are some things that I probably need to learn. I took classes that I didn't kind of know why I needed to. I just submitted to... That was the degree path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was actually, you know, and there. I think they're actually... I remember Dr. Lowry um, when I was in seminary, when I would always want to question, why do I got to take this class? And why do I have to take that class? And he would say, like, do you trust those of us that designed the program that you might need that down the road? And I just... You're right. Like, I don't... <laughs> I, I probably don't know. Um, and and it kind of here's where I want to lead now the conversation. Um, I, I think the other issue becomes like whether it's the languages or kind of the more the intense biblical study. Ryan last night was teaching about biblical theology and systematic theology. Um, a lot of ministry is done in the practical context. And I think that's why in certain contexts you can actually do some amazing training on a college campus by just walking library lawn, by being in the student union, by having real conversations with students, like so much of ministry really is 
practical in that sense. It's one-on-one conversations, and it's uh, learning to navigate, negotiate with people's problems and struggles and difficulties. And how do you learn that in a classroom, right? So much of my education, I believe it prepared me, don't get me wrong, but there was so much I had to learn on the field, right? And so I think that's a big deal. So um, I want to specifically, what are we doing at Sunnybrook to, and Drew, specifically at the table, because you're doing what you just said. You are, in some sense, training people for ministry. So let's not just think yeah. training people for ministry means professional pastors. I just yeah. air-quoted that for, for those yeah. that are listening. Um, so what are you doing at the table? And then, Justin, talk maybe even a little bit about the residency piece, and then we'll we'll talk about kind of in the cross-cultural context. But Yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we are trying to to get our students to think in terms of mission and ministry. You know, we talk about one of our four legs of the table being missional living um, and that we want to, we want all as Christians, like, like Justin said, man, you know, for the moment you get out of the baptistry, you're thinking, how do my, how do I use my time and gifts and resources for the kingdom and for ministry purposes? And so we're trying to get our students to think uh, like that and find where can they be serving and, and how can they be growing. And so, and we're creating discipleship resources yeah. that they can use to disciple students as they meet with them and work, uh, work through those things. And so, uh, a- Alec and Rachel have been developing, uh, cross-cultural ministry opportunities, partnerships in Poland and Mexico, and, and hopefully working with Japan here so that students are getting a, a getting to experience what it is to do ministry in other cultures. And and it's not our belief that every one of those is then therefore going to go sure. into vocational ministry or be a missionary or whatever, but, but that they are uh, tasting and experiencing what it looks like to make ministry kind of a priority in life and seeing how other people are doing that in other contexts so that they can learn to do it. And then we, we are, we're seeing more students come to us and, and going, I, you know, I want to do ministry, but I am wondering now if God is calling me into a more vocational ministry yeah. where yep. this is like, I am actually supposed to go do these things. What do I do? And so, uh, so we're, we're trying to, to meet that need. We actually, this very night, uh, over at Jim Johnson's house, these two men here will be joining me, uh, to, to meet with, we've kind of put an open invitation out to any of our students who are wondering if they might be called into ministry. Uh, come, come hang out with us and, and hear a couple guys just talk about what does it mean to be called to ministry yep. and, and what steps do you take. So we're trying to provide that. Um, our internship that we've put yeah. in place at the table yep. is designed specifically uh, for students who are considering vocational ministry and they want to, to kind of get a taste and experience of that uh, to see is this something that God may be, may be steering me towards. And so we've been over the last few years kind of tried to be more and more intentional about uh, creating these opportunities for learning and for experiencing in front of our students. Well, and I'm gonna before we switch over to Justin, where I want to I want to kind of throw up a, a particular person on the table, um, Rachel Madden. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we hired Rachel. Um, no formal training per se. Yep. Right. When it comes to that, so just talk about even That's how great, like yeah. what you did at the table, yeah. and then even what she was doing at the university. Yeah. Really coincided, and so we hired Rachel. With, I mean, I didn't have any hesitation hiring her yes. um, for a number of different reasons. So, I mean, you you really did That's accomplish 
It's true. Uh, Rachel Kanayak came through. First of all, Rachel had a strong <laughs> foundation coming into our exactly. ministry, right? Her parents really trained her towards, uh, trained her in the scriptures and in and those things. So she came in with a pretty strong foundation. Uh, and then in ministry, we were quickly giving giving leadership and ministry mm-hmm. opportunities to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was obvious very early on that she had some of those capabilities. I remember, I mean, freshman first semester. Uh, took her to a, a supporting church and had her help lead worship. We we did a service for him. I preached and our team did uh, worship. She helped lead it and and she actually even shared a little bit of a, a testimony in the Sunday school hour. And I just remember going back to Scott, going like, "We've had 18 Maddens in our ministry, and this one might be the best." Like as far <laughs> as like she's just really solid and really yeah, sharp. Yeah. And, and, uh, and and so that was clear. And we were giving her ministry opportunities, and then she ended up. Uh, becoming an intern for us uh, and so was was working in that area and then actually went into which you'll hear a little bit more about the residency at, <laughs> at Sunnybrook and so she went all the way through this process yeah. of yep. Yep. leadership as a volunteer leadership as an intern training as a resident into and you're right she did not have I remember talking you with you about this and saying hey she doesn't have that yet yep. But she has a great foundation. Yes. I feel very good about the way we as a church and as a ministry have trained her in scriptural. And like she has a solid understanding of the Bible and is and she's going to get to do this in in the context, kind of like in an, in an incubation yeah. page where she is, yep. she's got people all around her on the team. She's she's right next door to you, Jim, and is going to come in, and she's on my team, and all these yep. things to where yep. she's going to get to grow in this, surrounded by people who can guide her in some of that knowledge and training, and and yeah, that her and her strategic communications degree really has come in pretty helpful. For exactly, us, yeah. I'm that's the other thing I was going to say was you know okay. she actually had training in strategic communications yes. from Oklahoma State. Um, so she really had a lot of gifts and abilities in terms yes. of how to how to think and how to uh, explain things, how yes. to communicate uh, truths yes. um, that she she obviously was giving to the Lordship of Jesus in her life already and then kind of using them vocationally. So then she goes into the residency program. Like she's a really good example of what Seth Wilson said the church was not doing. And you know, we, we kind of pick that up. So all through college, we kind of pick up from where her family left off. We're now training her in so many ways as her heart is believing um, God has put it on me to to be in ministry. And then Justin, she shows up in our residency program and tell what the, tell what, a little bit what the residency program does to prepare. Yep. So as we said earlier, the heart was twofold. One, if all the seminaries and formal training grounds failed as there's this pattern of a lot of failure, either financial failure or mission drift. If those don't exist, what's our plan? Yeah. Do we have a plan to be able to raise up a generation of leaders in the church and in, in, in the faith? Uh, but then also, we as a church, we have such a heart <clears throat> uh, for the global church. We as a local congregation have a sure. heart for the global church, and we want to be able to leave a strong legacy. And so we don't have quite the finances to be able to have like a church planting ministry necessarily. But what we do have, what God has blessed us with, is a strong eldership and a strong staff and and a very healthy situation that's theologically, biblically grounded and doing the practical side. So, you know, the dream was... Can we help people who are interested in doing this, or maybe the Lord is gifting uniquely to do this, and 
helps send them in that direction. Yep. Can, can we be a blessing to Mustard Seed and to uh, Pro-Am and to other churches in our country and across the world by sending them healthy ministers of the gospel? And so that's what we've, that's our heart. That's what we want to do. And so they come for a year and they sit under some formal teaching and some informal teaching. We talk about caught and taught because a lot of what you learn is just walking alongside Jesus and seeing how he interacts with Samaritan women and seeing how he acts with children and hearing the side conversations between James, John, and Jesus about the right hand of, yep. you know, yep. those yep. kind of things. Yep. We yep. believe hallway conversation teaches you a Matter. lot. And so um, we want them to see us. We want them to follow us as we follow Christ. And then we also need to teach them how to open the scriptures and how to think theologically and why we do what we do. And so they spend a year going on trips and teaching and sitting under uh, being taught and it's proof is a little bit in the pudding at this point. You know, the people that have come through this, if they're not leading churches in Perkins, Oklahoma, they're faithful, uh, still faithful to their churches or moving to Japan or, uh, yeah, hopefully they are well-trained and, and think about this. So side note, what is ministry? Think about what ministry is. If ministry is just you sitting across a table and having coffee with someone, then maybe you don't need as much training if that's if that's the if that encompasses your what definition you think of ministry, ministry yeah. is and that can one concern of mine as i i've not been in this game nearly as long as you that's not an old joke it's just a fact um there seems it's to be just an old truth it's just an old truth there seems to be a like a disengagement of people who are being trained up for christian service wanting to do that christian service within the context of a church they they kind of just want to go and do other things that yeah. are tangentially yeah. related. Yeah. I think the church was made by Jesus and that's like his main plan mm-hmm. <laughs> to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. And I, I want to be somebody who gives the church his best and I want to help inspire people to want to give the church their yeah. best. Yeah. And so a lot of times people are like, yeah, but Rachel's a little too talented to do church work. Maybe she should be in the do something yeah, else, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I was like, no, I want Rachel. I want Jack yeah, because yeah, I think yeah. they're incredibly gifted and I think they're incredibly capable and I want the church to have our best at yeah. some, our first fruits, yeah. you know? Yep, <laughs> and so yep. that's not to say like we are the best. It's more just, I think God has gifted us and wired us. And so why don't we use these unique giftings and passions for his kingdom in an intentional way? Um. So as we as we wrap this up, you know, one of the most important contexts that I think exists that we really care deeply about is the the global church. Um, Drew, you've done work. Uh, you were at Ozark, finishing up at Ozark, and then you went on to the mission field. Talk a little bit about what you were prepared for, what you were not prepared for, as uh, and talk a little bit about where you went. Yeah, uh, yeah, we went into uh, went to the. Uh, northern side of Cyprus and uh, a little island there in the Mediterranean Sea and uh, you know gosh just thinking through it was such a such a let's try this thing and see what happens that (laughs) we didn't even know what we were doing you know what I mean I think back like this 22 year old going over there you know and and uh, having no idea I remember my home church telling me later 
We didn't, we didn't even think they'd let you guys stay. We, <laughs> we thought they were going to kick you out. We, we thought it'd be a month-long month, trip. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's just kind of funny because, because yeah, you're not technically supposed to be there uh, doing doing like ministry work or those kinds of things. And so, uh, but but we did. I mean, I had I had Ozark background training, yep, yep. and then we went to a place called the Missions Training Institute in Colorado Springs for five weeks and spent. Uh, worked learning, learning like kind of cultural engagement and then language acquisition skills and those kinds of things. So spent some time over there doing that, did some training with, uh, with a, a specific missions organization uh, for a little bit to get rid of that. So we, we had a number of training things and then also, and then all that training and just went over this kind of, there's still a little bit of like, all right, sure, <laughs> you're out, you know sure. what I mean? And, and, uh, and so we were, we were so much just trying to kind of figure out what does this even, we didn't even feel like we had eyes on the ground. And so in some ways that's kind of what we became, but what does this, what does it even look like to live over here? What are you, what can you get away with? What are you allowed to do? Uh, but there was, uh, there was a lot of, lot of people pouring into and training into us as much as in some ways it felt like we just showed up over there and now let's figure this out man we spent a lot of time actually even before we went we spent a month uh in turkey with wow. with some overseas workers who who spent a month with us just kind of working through cultural issues and language issues just getting us ready and then we sailed from turkey down to uh, to northern cyprus uh, so as I, I look back at it now and i go oh yeah as much as it felt sort of like thrown together there was a lot sure. of different people investing in and training and and kind of preparing us for that time so, so um without offering like a, a critical critique yeah looking back do you think more training walking onto the field would have been beneficial in certain areas maybe yeah yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, it couldn't, uh, like, kind of like the Erasmus quote. Like, I don't know how it, I don't know how it would have hurt, you know what I mean? To, to, sure. I don't know how it would have hurt to have had more. Um, there was something about that specific, specific place where it was hard to find too many people who knew what it was like exactly sure. there. Sure. So it was hard to fully know. But I think more training and instruction probably in, like, some direction like what are you what specifically yeah. are you trying to accomplish over there um would have been valuable for us and then okay if this is it so then what would be the steps you take um again i think it was a little bit hard because people we didn't know how slowly or quickly we could start to talk about jesus things with yep. people we didn't yep. know how open we could be and all of those things and so it was very much kind of like a we're figuring it out on the fly. And I, I would have loved to have somebody say, here's what you can do there. Here's what you can't. Here's how I would go about this process. Um, this is what it would look like to try and get a church going over there. This is what it would look like to try and get. I, I would have greatly benefited from that. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Going into that. So. Would, 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 the, would the training that you got, would, do you think that would have helped you uh, possibly if you had considered like staying more yeah. permanently? Yeah. Yeah, because you you weren't. Yeah. Were you were you planning on? We were planning on staying two. We ended up staying one. Okay. Uh, we uh, yeah we planned on staying. T Not all our team was planning on staying two. Some of them were just going to be one. We were going to be two. Uh, we came back and got married, and then on uh, and then kind of on the advice and counsel of some people. That maybe don't spend your first year of marriage over there. Sure. Um, we decided to stay. And I, I go back and forth on whether shoulda, coulda, woulda, I don't know. But that was kind of what we ended up doing. But I think, yeah, so much to even have 
in some ways, it's like we knew what we knew we wanted to share the gospel with people. Yeah. That's what we knew, and we knew we wanted to figure out what it looks like to do ministry on this on this island. But uh, that we were so we were in a lot of ways kind of almost aimless. Yeah. It was kind of like we were just dropping down and let's see what happens here. Um, and like I said, like I think one of the reasons maybe we didn't have so many goals is people didn't expect us to even be there very yeah. long. Yep. Um, and so and it ended up by later. It's not served a purpose. It kind of. Our church was able to send a couple over there for four or five years after we were done because it was the first time that they really had eyes on the ground to know yep. what the lay of the land was like. Um, and so it, in, in that sense, it kind of accomplished something, but we really did not know what we were doing very much at the time. So. Yeah. Justin, your thoughts in terms of uh, in the cross-cultural context, yep. either what we're doing or just the value, the importance of it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about some of our strongest partners have some really intentional training they do with the people that they're bringing in. Uh, you, you can't go to Japan with mustard seed and not be trained. They've got some pretty extensive training that they do with people that they're onboarding. Uh, our team in, in Ghana with Austin Ganyo, he, he literally has a school to train up people to do the work there. And so, yeah, training involves content. It involves uh, being aware of your context, helping grow in character and doing that in community, yep. all those things. Uh, and so those are things we're aware of. Even before we go on a short-term trip, we try to help people become aware of those things. Um, you know, t- two things I would say as I'm hearing Drew talk. It's not like Drew started ministry at 22 when he was done with Bible sure, college. Sure, sure. It's not like Rachel Madden started ministry last year when we got she got hired at uh, Sunnybrook. Ministry, again, starts at the point you put your faith in Jesus and you want to witness to that. There is this, it's just this growth, you know, and some of it's formal, some of it's informal. Even people who don't believe in formal education in the sense of training, they have staff meetings where they're training their people in how to do the ministry they've been called to. They have conferences that they go to to grow in what it looks like to do their their ministry. And so I think most people, if they were asked, yes, they believe in training. Maybe they fight whether or not they believe you have to have letters behind your name or sure, something like sure. that, in which we, we would say, no, we don't think you do. We just think your training should be intentional and faithful at some level. We, we want to be experts in the scriptures, experts in the gospel. Um, how do we actually love people in a way that helps these people? And so, yeah, don't wait for training. Some people maybe are crippled to yeah. like waiting <clears throat> yep, and, yep. hey, I guess I, got, I can't start doing ministry yep. until I get. No, yep. we don't think that. Uh, the best people actually are those who they're doing ministry, no matter what level of training they have, they're just kind of uh, acquiring maybe more skills or honing in on skills they already had. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it's good. And as you wrap this up, it's, it's good to realize that uh, uh, I like the fact that we recognize the practical elements. And so we have a residency and internships and we're doing it with, uh, with our people, whether they're in high school, trying to give them a sense of what ministry could look like through an internship or definitely in college. We're, we're training them to do ministry. You'll be an elder. You'll be a woman's Bible study leader. You're going to be a mom. I mean, in all of these different contexts, ministry is happening, and we're trying to prepare those people. And then to try to create uh, contexts and conversations where they will consider the possibility of a full-time vocation in ministry. And then here's what it looks like. And we're, we provide both, say, classroom conversations as well as coffee shop conversations um, and to try to pull those things together. Um, and then beyond that, actually, the part that I really enjoy is that, and, and there are even continued reasons for us to study and for us to learn. 
Um, so two that we've hired recently, both from Oklahoma State University, um, one that grew up in the discipleship program of Stumo and another one through the discipleship program offered at the table, two great ministries. Both of them went to our residency in the same year, Jack and Rachel. Um, we hired them, very gifted already and capable in so many ways to uh, disciple, to lead people to Christ. I mean, they're already capable of doing this at so many levels. Both of them are now in graduate school learning. And so I like the fact that we're not waiting for people, that we do take a little bit of a risk and say, yeah, we're not just sending you to Cyprus. We're going to do some things. And and so I think there is a, a, a wisdom in, no, 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 you need to wait for eight years. Or, no, 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 it doesn't matter. No, there really is a, a hybrid that I, I, I think we even see in Scripture. So you don't hold everybody back, but you don't just throw everybody in, that you realize what is needed. And all of these things together are needed. And that's what we're trying to do, um, to help people in every context, to be prepared. Uh, I always think of the uh, Colossians 1 Paul says to the to the Colossian church that it is his desire, his, his obligation in a sense, to present everyone perfect in Christ. That's why I went to seminary, was because I rec- that's why I'm working on even another degree now, is because I believe that's what I need in order to help present people perfect in Christ. There's many different ways to do that, um, but that is our goal. And training, formally, informally, practically, theoretically, um, are all necessary in order for us to accomplish our mission. Um, thank you guys for for being here and uh, just appreciate the way that both of you not only care about Jesus with your mind, but um, with all of you and uh, see the people that you guys are investing in now all of a sudden uh, in many different ways be involved in ministry, I think is a testimony um, to God's faithfulness.